Welcome to the Student of the Game podcast with Tim Stone, where I sit down with successful entrepreneurs to extract the knowledge you need to increase your income and avoid simple mistakes. You learn from their failures so you don't have to go through the same thing. I hope that you find one lesson you can apply to your life from this episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Student of the Game. This is Tim Stone here with our special guest today, Stephen Cohen. Stephen is 30 years old, entrepreneur in Las Vegas, Nevada, co-owner of Sunder Energy and the host of the Millennial Millionaire podcast. We're going to dive into all of that, but Stephen, thank you for being here. Tim, thanks for having me, man. I'm pumped. Absolutely. I'm pumped for it. I, I want to learn about how you built one of, or potentially the biggest, but definitely one of the biggest solar teams in the country. Uh, but, but tell me real quick, like, how did you, how did you even get to it? You're 30 years old and you, you know, are on top of a big, big energy company. Uh, yeah. like, where do you, how do you get there? Yeah, man. So kind of like you mentioned, I'm 30 years old. I'm out here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Shout out Sin City for all you guys out here. 702. Um, but yeah, man, from an early age, I always knew I wanted big things, big goals, big dreams, but I came from a very modest background. Both my parents combined never made more than $40,000 in a year. So growing up, money was always the talk of conversation. And as long as I can remember, there was always a negative connotation to it. So as I got older, I naturally had the desire to go make money because I wanted to solve a lot of the issues that I felt like growing up we had. So right away, I got into college because as most people, when you know you want to become successful, you think, okay, I need to go yep. to college. I need to go get a good job. Quickly realized that wasn't the case. I ended up just partying and having a really good time out here in Vegas. And I quickly realized my goals were in line with the things that I wanted to do. So I remember watching a video about how college was a scam. And literally <laughs> next day, I dropped out. I got involved. Oh, wow. Next day. Next day. Yeah, I'm, okay. uh, I'm an action taker. Dropped out and got involved into entrepreneurship, man. That was back in 2013. Um, really got exposed to the direct sales industry and it completely changed my life. I started learning skills about sales, recruiting, public speaking, personal development. I started reading books and I really started to reconditioning my mind to make myself believe that what the system taught you, you needed to do in order to be successful wasn't necessarily the case. And I started looking at what the majority of my friends my fraternity brothers, my colleagues were doing, and I started to do the opposite. And I started creating distance from my old life uh, to create my new life. So back in 2015, I ended up getting introduced to the direct sales industry with solar door to door. Uh, started off knocking doors, just like everyone. Was, how short was that after you dropped out? Were you already kind of into some of that stuff or did you have to figure it out quickly? Yeah, so I did network marketing for three years. Um, I didn't make any money, but I learned a lot of my skill set. I built my identity. And then back in 2015, so about three years after I dropped out, I got introduced to solar door to door. Yeah, started just like everyone else, uh, knocking doors, selling solar systems, did pretty well. My first couple months started making more money than I ever made in my life, six, $7,000 a month, which at the time for a 23 year old, not having to clock in, not having to report to anyone, working for myself uh, was awesome. And I quickly saw the value of building a team, duplicating, and not just uh, leveraging my own efforts, but leveraging other people's efforts as well. So that decision led me on an eight-year journey uh, where the first four years, I built a pretty large organization, close to 250 people up and down California and Nevada. And then back in 2019, myself and some of our colleagues decided to leave our old company and launch our current company, which is Sunder Energy. Um, we started with 60 people in seven states, and in four years, we've been able to scale to 30 states with around 1,200 sales reps 
across the country, all 1099, just working to become the best version of themselves and using solar as a vehicle to get there. Yeah, that I, that's a, a journey very similar to myself and just a lot of people in my general network getting into some sort of personal development sales where you can be in control of your income is a, a good gateway to entrepreneurship and becoming a business owner. So when you started just uh, knocking doors, making money, selling solar, what were some of the things that like started to turn quickly? Cause there's a lot of guys that sell solar nowadays, especially, and they make a lot of money. Um, but well, why, why did you want to build a team and then eventually own a company instead of why didn't you just go, you know, live the, the 23 year old with money in his pocket life in Vegas, like you grew up doing uh, or, or, well, you did in college. Like, what, what, uh, was that always the goal? Better question. Yeah. Was it always the goal to build the company, or was it just? So I had no intent of building a company. My my first couple of years in the industry, I just wanted to make enough money where I didn't have to clock in or clock out, and I could go eat sushi on the weekend and not have to mm. worry about my bills anymore, and just create a life and figure out what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I thought the sales industry was just a means to an end to go figure out what my actual career is or uh, what I wanted to do. And then I quickly realized as I saw mentors and I saw other people in the industry who literally made life changing money, uh, people that have been doing this door to door industry for decades on decades and living, seeing the lifestyle they were living, seeing the impact that they were made. And it's crazy because when I was in network marketing, I don't know if you've done network marketing, I'm sure hmm. a lot of people cut their teeth in that industry because it's a, it's an awesome introduction to entrepreneurship and personal development. But I was always obsessed with creating passive income. That was my goal. It was to hmm. make enough money passively where I could have six Saturdays, one Sunday, not have to clock in and clock out and ultimately create a life where I don't need a vacation from. That was really my main goal. So coming into sales, I didn't realize that I had the opportunity to do that. I thought, hey, I have to leverage my own time, trade my own time for money, go knock doors. Yes, there's no cap on my income. Yes, I can create my own schedule, but I never saw the leverage piece of being able to duplicate. I quickly realized, similar to my past journey in network marketing, that there was an opportunity to not just go out there and produce for myself, but also go help a lot of my friends, a lot of people who I used to work with in my previous venture, give them the mentorship, the support, um, and the guidance to also go out there and make life-changing money. And by doing that, as Zig Ziglar says, when you help enough people get what they want, you get what you want by default. So I really started turning my mindset from just being a top producer in solar sales to actually recruiting, building, creating culture, duplicating a team, because a mentor once told me, and I'm sure Tim, you can relate, being in the real estate industry, uh, you can either have 100% of your own efforts, but it's better to have 1% of 100 people's efforts because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how great you are at your job. It doesn't matter if you're the top producer in the world. You are limited based on your energy and based on your time. But if you can go out there and go create leverage, whether it's with assets, in my case, it was people and help share the opportunity and make an impact in their life. As a byproduct, I'll create leverage, and now I have hundreds of people making 1% versus just 100% of my own. So I quickly realized I thought I knew what I wanted out of this industry, and I realized I would be able to accomplish all the things that I wanted to, being able to buy assets, create financial freedom, uh, create impact, being able to travel around the country to different teams and inspire people. I'd be able to create that in this solar sales industry. And once I got a hold of that vision, I never let go. Got it. So, so you can be a, a top performer and get a lot of those things, but the, really the, the wealth and the financial freedom part 
just from what I what I've heard, it sounds like it comes from building the team, building the company under you, and helping other people reach that. So, do you need to be a top performer sales rep to uh, build a successful team? Do you think like that's an important piece, or could someone just walk in and say, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna recruit a ton of people"? Like, yeah, I definitely think it's an important piece. One of the things I really like about the direct sales in- industry compared to my old industry is you can't leverage other people's success. You have to go out there and do it yourself. You know, I believe leadership is not just telling people what to do, but showing people what to do. So you can't give to someone something that you're not experiencing yourself. If you can't do the job at a high level, if you haven't created wealth, if you haven't impacted your family and impacted uh, your own financial situation, you can't give another person that you can't take somewhere, someone somewhere if you haven't been there yourself. So Yes, you have people come in and all they focus on in the recruiting aspect, but typically those people don't really last because they haven't Mm. created the success themselves. They haven't created their own success story. So why would I follow someone? Right. People don't people. It's hard for people to see them as a leader if they're not willing to do what telling them to do. Yes, Uh, exactly. So so what what does it take to get the respect of people that are going to be on your team when you're let's say you're 23, 24, when you were really starting to do it like. And and even now being thirty, how do you how do you hold a high level of respect with people not being very old? Yeah, no, it's a good question because early in my career I used to have that limiting belief. Oh man, why would this sixty year old dude who has a lot more life experience than me want to follow a twenty three, twenty four year old kid who barely just got done dropping out of college a couple of years ago? But in reality, as I got older and I got into my career, because the cool thing about our industry is we attract all different types of walk of life. We attract mm-hmm. 18 year olds that just graduate college that are looking for you know bigger, better things. Uh, but we also attract the 65 year old that maybe have had a long sales career, but is still looking to go out there and create some type of success um, in the industry. So I believe that age is just a limiting belief. As you know, Tim, you know, you're young as well. Most of the people I have on my show, it's called millennial millionaire. Most of them are are young millennials. And for me, I really had to get out of my own head and realize, hey, if I believe that I have the 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 wealth of knowledge in order to impact other people, then I can't allow this limiting belief. I can't um, allow this narrative to prevent me from truly being able to serve other people. So I think the first step is you have to go create success yourself. You know, the best way to attract people into this industry or to any type of industry, whether you're trying to build a company, build a team, build an organization, really any type of organization or any type of cause is you have to be someone worth following. How do you become someone worth following? You have to have results, whether that's in the marketplace, whether that's in your personal life. Why would I follow someone who cheats on their wife or cheats on their husband and you know does drugs and doesn't have a good relationship with their woman if I don't want to model that life? So for me, it's like become the person that I would want to follow. And as a byproduct, you win the respect, you win the hearts and minds of those people because now you're able to give them something that they're looking for. Why would I follow someone if there's nothing that I want from that individual? There's there's no point. So first and foremost, you need results, whether that's in your personal life or in your professional life, especially in your professional life in our industry, because you have to go out there and create success before helping other people. I think the second thing, and this is kind of like all leadership stuff, is you have to truly care about that individual. 
You know, there's a there's a good quote. They say people don't care what you know until you know that you care. And in my industry, there's so many leaders out there, so many managers, which is a whole nother conversation, the difference between a manager and a leader. But there's so many people out there who they only care about themselves. They only care about their own success. They only care about how much money they're making or what the bottom line is for their business, which is okay if you want to be a solopreneur. But when you get into the business of leading people and impacting people and helping people level up their life, you have to care more about that individual almost more than you care about yourself in certain aspects. Now, I do believe that you can't fill anyone's cup unless your cup is full. So you need to make sure you're taken care of. But at the same time, leadership is, I think, getting extraordinary results out of ordinary people. And the only way to do that is actually mm-hmm. to take time and connect with those individuals, figure out their why, figure out the reasons why they're doing what they're doing. Because once you know their why, once you touch their heart, then you can ask for their hand and whatever you need support with. That's great. I, I want to talk about the the leadership and training piece and, and working and, and growing the people. You said getting extraordinary results with ordinary people. But the the part that I'd like to figure out is how are you recruiting a lot of 1099 sales reps? Like, Because it, it's, it's the type of thing where they're not technically employees. You can't tell them what to do. Do a lot of people do it part-time? Do they all go all in? Like finding those people is what I want to know how to do. What, what's your strategy with that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough business, man. There's, there's a lot of attrition and a lot of turnover as you expect. You know, I think anything 1099. And I think the challenge is, at least in our industry, there's not really a barrier to entry. You know, you're not investing tens of thousands of dollars to start your solar business. You're not having to take, you know, maybe a, a two month course, maybe like a real estate agent or a life insurance test or anything like that. So the barrier to entry Um, is almost nothing. Therefore, we attract the best of people, but we also attract the worst of people because people who are looking for an opportunity, sometimes this is either their last resort or the only thing that they can do is join this sales organization 1099 thing. But at the same time, we also attract the highest caliber people, people who are willing to bet on themselves, uh, have good discipline and don't want to be capped on their income. So I would say, man, out of 10 people that come in, typically only two or three people are there a year later. Um, it's about a 20 to 30 percent um, retention rate. And for a really long time, and I think this goes to any of your viewers in any business, for a really long time, I put a lot of pressure on myself and our team and our processes, which we do have control over. We have control over our culture, our environment, our support, our training. But I've realized, man, that about 90 percent, whether someone makes it or not, it's not because of the training. It's not because of the mentorship. It's not because of the support. It's because of the individual, Um, because you can bring the best person into the worst culture, the worst training, the worst environment, the worst compensation plan. And he'll will figure out a way to make it happen. On the other side, you can bring the worst person with no coachability, uh, no consistency, low self-belief and identity and give him the best mentorship, the best training, and he'll still figure out a way not to make it happen. So I think the biggest thing when it comes to recruiting and bringing in people is one, making sure that individual has a high identity. So a lot of things that we focus on to try and bridge that gap of attrition is we look for people who have made some type of success in their life. One of the questions that I ask people when I interview them to see if they're a good fit or not is how much is the most amount of money that you've made in a year? Not that I care, but I like if they've done a significant amount, you know, they might be able to do it for you. Exactly. (laughs) I like where where their financial set point is, because the thing in our industry, the most challenging part, since everyone's 1099 and independent contractor, 
solar commissions are pretty high. Now, will they always be? Who knows? But right now, the average solar commission is about three to four thousand dollars a deal, which is pretty equivalent to some real estate deals with a lot less work. You're just helping people save money on their energy bill. It's a less strenuous of a process. So if I know that individual coming in, the most money he's made in a year is $60,000 a year. I know and he'll be okay closing one to two deals a month because he's going to hit his financial threshold. And I know in this business, if you're only doing one to two a month, you're not going to last because once you have a bad month or once you're inconsistent, you're ending up going to fall out and, and get into a bad uh, you know, cycle. So that's the first question I ask them. But I think the biggest thing with building a team is one... Uh, identifying what your culture is and what your cause is because people don't join people. They join visions. They join culture. They join causes. They find similar people that believe in similar things that they do. And that's why they're attracted to those industries. So if you're not defining what your culture is or what you stand for, or what the vision is, if you can't have individuals fit their vision inside the group's vision, then they're never going to join you. Or if they do join you, they're not going to last and go to another um, go to another industry. And then it's a big sifting process, man. We have a bunch of different feeder systems, you know, anywhere from Indeed ads running consistently, which is what we do now. But for me, I've built 90% of my business strictly from social media and word of mouth, from creating success, documenting that success, helping other people become success and leveraging that word of mouth to hopefully attract like-minded people who don't want to go to a normal nine to five or go do something else or want to go bet on themselves. And then they make their way to us. And then we hopefully train coach and transform them into someone who is doing this consistently and independently. Okay. That's a big thing I was curious about is where do these people come from? <laughs> how did, how, how do the best performers find you and end up on your team? Yeah, I think it's attraction. You know, I don't think you recruit good people. I think you attract good people. I think it's the same thing. You know, you don't, you don't recruit a wife or a nice girlfriend, you attract them. How do you attract someone by becoming an attractive person by modeling and living the quality, the traits, and the characteristics that you want in another individual. And by doing that and by creating the foundation, when you build it, they will come by you putting feelers out there and going out and taking action, putting energy into networking, putting energy into social media, putting energy into helping other people go through their warm markets. By doing that, naturally, you'll start to attract better quality people. Okay. And then what does training look like? Because there's a, there's a saying, training's not something you did, it's something you do. Like you, like you got to be constantly uh, sharpening your iron and, and going at it every day. So what does it look like? Say someone is a good fit, they come in. Uh, how do you build them up to be the best sales rep in the world? Yeah. No, it's a great question. I agree. You know, training is something that we do every single day. You know, it's part of the job. Um, so when someone is struggling in our business, uh, we believe it's because of two reasons. And I think this is relative to any type of business, not just my industry. It's either a skill set or it's either a work ethic. It's either a skill set or it's either a mindset issue, right? Either you're not competent in what to do. You don't know how to pitch. You don't know how to handle objections. You don't know how to find real estate deals. You don't know how to, uh, you know, trade forex. Whatever industry you're in, it's either a competence issue, which is skill set, which is easy to improve because as a skill, all you need to do is hammer on that craft, and as you get through it, you'll start to get better at it. Or it's either a work ethic slash mindset thing, which is the harder thing to fix because, you know, you may agree with me, but work ethic is very hard to teach. You know, you mm -hmm. can give someone all the skills, you can teach them how to pitch, they can shadow the number one producer in the office or in the industry, 
But if they're not willing to go out there six days a week, if they're not willing to go out there when it's 115 degrees like it is right now in Vegas and knock on people's door and get rejected, if they're not willing to do what it takes and it doesn't matter how skilled you are, you're not going to be able to go out there and make it happen. So from a skill set standpoint, we run in-person trainings, which is something we do uh, consistently at meetings. But the most valuable part um, is the on the field uh, trainings, which is, you know, an individual comes in, they're brand new to the industry. Maybe they have no sales experience. Maybe they have some sales experience. We run them through a three day boot camp, teaching them A to Z solar, how to pitch, how to handle objections, what to look for, what homeowners you can qualify or disqualify, pretty basic sales principles. And then we put them on the doors with someone who's winning to go model and to go shadow for a couple of days. So by them seeing that, hopefully it raises their belief that this is actually something that they can do. And from what we've seen, man, it's really that belief that will either make people successful or not successful in this industry. I think anyone that joins our industry or maybe any industry that has some type of uh, commission or performance-based metric to it, there's almost kind of like a ticking time bomb on that individual, right? They join on a Monday. Some people, it's a 20-day. Some people, it's a month. Some people, it's a week. But if they don't create success, if they don't get over what we call that success line, whether they get paid, whether they get a promotion, whether they win some type of incentive, some type of um, reward or financial benefit for them in a specific amount of time, chances are they quit and they end up leaving the industry. And I think it's almost the same in most businesses where if someone comes in, the whole goal is to get them paid and promoted as fast as possible. And the ability of the support, the leadership and the management in order to do that will dictate how fast or how slow their business will build. So from a competence standpoint, you know, we check all the boxes, whether it's boot camp, classroom style training or in the field training. But the hard part is the mindset. The hard part is how do you take someone who their whole life they've been conditioned by a bell in high school, in preschool, in college, raise your hand and go to the bathroom, you know, and then they go to a job and they have a box they need to clock in or clock out. They get a you know 30 minute break. How do you take someone that's been conditioned their whole life not to think for themselves and be self-disciplined to now put them into an environment where now there's no one yelling at them to get to work? If they don't show up, no one's going to call them out. There's very little room for uh, micromanaging and really it's on them to go make it happen. That's the challenge we see. It's breaking mm-hmm. that employee mindset and helping them view it as, hey, this is your business, not an employee and acting as such. So how do you how do you do that? Is that the thing that you're really good at or what what is what is Steven's piece? Like that the like this is the this is the piece that's making you money. You're in your lane. Um is that the part? Yeah, yeah, that's the game, right? Like if you can boil it down, that that is the game. It's how do we break people's employee mindset? How do we get them to go from a consumer to a producer? And uh, there's a lot of different things. Personal development's huge, right? Because chances are, if you're coming from a normal nine to five, or if you've never been introduced to any type of entrepreneurship before, everything is so brand new to you. So their ability to be coachable is huge, right? Their teachability index, which I believe is their willingness to accept change and willingness to learn will dictate their success. So first thing we're doing is we're, we're telling them to read some content, whether it's, yeah, I was going to say which books like yeah, 10 X rules, one that comes to mind. Yeah. 10 X rules. Great. Extreme ownership's a really good one. Thinking grow rich. We need to condition their mind for success and get them into a growth mindset and break their fixed mindset. Because by doing that, they're going to start to realize that they deserve more out of life and that they're capable of more. And as that belief increases, as that identity belief uh, increases, 
uh, Ed Milet talks about how your identity is kind of like a thermostat, a financial thermostat. Mm -hmm. If you're set to a 70 degree or it doesn't matter what type of training you get. It doesn't matter how good your opportunity is. It doesn't matter how fast your car goes. If there's a governor on that thing, it's going to cap out its potential. Uh, it's going to cap out not at its potential. It's the same thing. Everyone has this invisible thermostat, this governor, this this identity that basically will monitor their life in physical and financial and spiritual and relationships. So for us, it's how do I take that seven degree in business who's never made $60,000 and start to crank that identity from 70 to 75 to 80? Because by doing that, the action piece will take care of itself. If they don't believe they're worthy of making six figures, there's not they're not going to go out there and take six figure action. So it's giving them personal development. It's help coaching them and supporting them and reconditioning their mind to someone that goes out there and creates success, not someone that just gets by and lives paycheck to paycheck. You know, there's a quote that we say uh, in our industry. It says, we don't do door to door to get by. We do it to get ahead. If you're going to make 60, 50, $80,000 a year, it's better to just go work at Radio Shack or go work at a normal job because it's a lot less stressful. Um, and you're not going to be freaked out all the time, worried about how you're going to pay your bills in a 100% commission job. Uh, so to answer your question, Tim, big piece is personal development. Get them around people that's winning. Proximity is super, super important. You take someone who's never made that much money before and you put them in an environment of people winning, of people thriving, of people making big checks. By just being in proximity to those individuals, they're going to start to crank that thermostat up a little bit. Mm. They're going to start to increase that belief level. And then the last piece is Jim Rohn talks about this. He says, you shouldn't just help people with their job. You should help people with their lives. And that's a fundamental principle that I live by, service leadership. I'm not just helping people get good at solar. I'm helping them get good in their personal life. I'm helping them get good at their finances. I'm helping them become a more disciplined and consistent individual. Hey, you wake up at 8 a.m., 9 a.m. every morning. The first thing you do is look at social media and you get into a fight with your girlfriend. Like, stop that. Turn off the phone, turn off the social media. And I try to, we try to, our, our culture tries to give them success habits, success principles that we have done to help them. And I think as a byproduct of all of those things, personal development, proximity to high caliber people, and actually just caring about that individual and giving mentorship by doing that, they start to bridge that gap of belief and break that employee mindset. And they start to, you know, get better at the job. Yep. I, I agree with all of that. And to, to segue a little bit, I, and I think it's going to be very similar in almost any industry, but let's say solar, if I want to make a million dollars is the best way to go out there and, and just like rip on the doors and sell it or, or, or should you become a high performer, make those high six figures, do a ton of deals and recruit a team? Like what's the, what, cause that's a goal of mine is to make a million dollars this year. Like what, what would you say? Cause I think it's going to translate to any industry is the, the best path to make a million dollars in a year now. Yeah. So, so both those options are viable. And the only reason they're viable is because there's people that have done it and there's people doing it. If there is no one making seven figures. Right. I've, I've met solar sales reps that make seven figures totally. Yeah. And, I, and I've met a lot of people that make way more money than that. And they do not knock on doors every morning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so it really all depends. I can only speak to my own strategy. You know, I've been able to make seven figures in solar through my own personal journey, which has been building, recruiting, duplicating, impacting culture. There's other people who I know that have made seven figures strictly on the sales. 
They don't want to deal with other people. They don't want to deal with their baggage, their emotion, their drama. They want to sell a ton and be able to take a month off and have no one complain or no one rely on them. And that's their mindset and that's their uh, lifestyle. And they love that. So I can only speak from my own experience. I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think it's knowing what you want and why you want it. Um, I think it was Jim Rohn or someone, they said, you shouldn't want to become a millionaire because of the million dollars. You should want to become a millionaire because who you have to become in the process Mm -hmm. of becoming a millionaire, how charismatic you'll have to be, how uh, kind you'll have to be, how disciplined, how uh, enthusiastic you'll have to be. So I think if you were asking me this in our industry, I would say, hey, go model the people's lives that are making that income that you want, whether it's me or someone else in the industry, which lifestyle do you resonate with the most? Most, Which characteristics do you resonate with the most? Do you want to be more on my end of the world where every single day other than Sundays, I'm taking phone calls, I'm putting out fires. When I travel on vacation, sometimes I have to answer the phone if there's a big situation and I'm always having to be on because uh, people are dependent on me and I need to make sure I'm serving them, but I get massive fulfillment from that. And I think long-term I'm building skills that will translate into any other business. Do you resonate more with that or do you resonate more with monetizing your business somehow, whether it's online marketing, whether it's hiring three consistent setters and training them to knock doors all day, whether it's you being out on the field six, seven days a week and doing it, whatever your road path is, I would find individuals. And I think this is in any industry, right? Because anything that you want in life, someone's already done and they probably have a game plan of how to get there. You just have to model them, study the success and reach out to go do it. So for me, I'm all about duplication and replication because I feel like regardless when solar is over or not, the skill sets that I've learned, the people's lives that I've impacted, mm-hmm. the networks that I've created through this organization, if solar ended tomorrow, I could take myself and my team and the people that trust me because of my character and how I've shown up over the years and go to any other industry and pivot. Where the individual, yeah. all they have is the pipeline from their current sales industry. They can't do that. They have to start over. Yes, they have the skill set. Yes, they have the identity. Yes, they have the income. And hopefully they're leveraging that properly with you in real estate. Um, <laughs> but for me, I'm a little biased. I like the 1% of 100 people's efforts versus 100% of my own because I think that skill set translates to anything. One of the things I also teach people when they first come in, because this is what was taught to me, is yes, solar's awesome. You're going to make a lot of money. It's going to be awesome experiences. We go on cool trips, cool incentives. Like it's an awesome infrastructure for people that can do well and commit um, and deal with the pressure of being in a type of hundred percent commission job like this. But I think what's more important than the actual monetary exchange that you're getting is who you're becoming in the process. Meaning the Mm -hmm. discipline you're creating on the doors, being able to handle rejections, being able to manage different people's emotions, being able to recruit people and bring in people that align with a, a common goal and cause because I think those skills will translate into any industry or any business that you go to later on. And at the end of the day, as we know, skills pay the bills and experiences mold us into individuals. And whatever we do after this, I say, hey, this is just a vehicle. This is a vehicle to take you from where you are to where you want to be. But what you learn on that journey will serve you way more than the actual journey itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll be the map. So if the car breaks down, you still got the map. You might have to walk a little bit, maybe hitch a ride. You can still get there. Uh, Love that. And I love those quotes. And I I don't think I'd ever heard that quote, but I've said it to people before. It's like, it's not about having $1 million. It's about becoming the type of person that it takes 
to have that kind of income and just get to the next level. Like the difference between making a few hundred thousand and one million dollars, it's not a ton. Obviously, it's a lot of money, but it's not a huge difference in lifestyle. Um, one to ten is probably much different. Sure. Um, but the other thing with, with what you're doing, kind of building a team, is like someday you could sell it, like the business. That that's not an option when you're. Um, just by yourself, your whole thing is that guy, he lives a different lifestyle. He probably loves it. Like go make a million dollars. Then you don't have to clock in for two, three years, even if you don't want to like do whatever you want with the money. Um, but that's a big thing. So, so maybe that's in your future, maybe not like selling the company, but say, uh, you know, everything catches up on solar, the market equalizes. There's not as high margins, high commissions as there are now. Uh, what would you kind of see would be a good next step? Did you go to pest control? I definitely would go to pest control. No, no, <laughs> not pest control. I have some really good buddies who are crushing it um, in pests. It's a, it's a good question, man. You know, I've, I've thought about it over the last couple of years. I'm like, man, if I had to pivot from solar, you know, what would I do? What would I focus on? Um, and it's hard to say because I, you know, when you do something for so long and you immerse yourself so much into an industry, uh, life without it kind of seems weird. You know, you almost kind of like lose your identity in your job and what you're doing. You know, I have to remind myself sometimes I'm like, hey, I'm not Steven, the solar guy who my whole identity and my whole self-worth is wrapped up in my business and how well we're doing and how much money I'm making. I am Steven, the awesome dude who is, you know, a good boyfriend who does solar. Um, and I think especially in our generation, I think. I think there's opposite sides of the spectrum in our generation. I think you have your people who aren't doing anything and all they do is care about partying, smoking weed, not really caring about the future on social media. And unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of regret later in life. But then I feel like we have the opposite of the spectrum of people who are just grind, 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 work, work, yeah, work. Their work. whole identity is what they do for a career. For sure. And, you know, not saying one's better than the other, obviously pick your poison, but I think you need to have a little bit of balance. I think you need to have um, some harmony and some synergy in your life, because I think when you're burning the candle on both ends you're not being of use to anyone. Um, I had to go through probably three or four years ago. Like I went through a challenging time in my life because I realized like all I cared about was solar. I wasn't being a good boyfriend. I wasn't spending as much time with my family. I wasn't focusing on my self-care or the things that I like to do. And the issue is I wasn't actually performing to the level that I should because I was just burnt out because I was focusing on the wrong things. I lost I lost um, I lost track of why I began and the reason. Uh, I just did a training on two words that I think is really, really important. And then I'll answer your question. I'm not trying to avoid it. Um, burnout and sustainability. Burnout is a common thing in our industry that a lot of people talk about. I don't think burnout's real in any industry, whether you've been doing sales for 15 years. I think only burnout happens when you stop losing track of why you're doing what you're doing. When you stop losing your purpose, then you get burned out when you're doing the job, when you're making real estate deals, when you're closing solar deals, when you're recruiting people just to do it. And that's all there is. There's no end game. You're not linking it to anything greater, anything bigger. Or if you accomplish the original why on why you started and you don't evolve it. You know, for me, my original reason for getting into entrepreneurship, like I mentioned, was to take care of my parents, buy my parents a house, do all these things to support my family, live a life where, you know, I don't have to worry about money. I can go to sushi whenever I want. I can go eat nice restaurants. <laughs> and when I accomplished that, 
if you don't evolve the reason on why you continue to do what you're doing, that's when you get burnt out. Because if you're not creating that next milestone in your life or that next thing to look forward to in your current vehicle, if you're not linking it to something greater, then you unconsciously start to think, why am I doing this in the first place? The money doesn't excite me anymore. And that's when people start to get burnt out. So I think sustainability is really important, especially in our generation. Mm. We have a long career. You know, I'm 30. You're probably a little bit younger than me. Yeah, we I'm 22. Old, 22, a lot younger than me. Yeah, a good bit. You're crushing, bro. Um, but we have a long life to live. So it's like, yes, you want to sprint in certain seasons of your life, but you also have to realize this is a long ass marathon. And if you sprint too fast and you burn out, people are going to lap you up even if you had a head start with them. So you need to find your steady pace. You need to find your pace where you can enjoy the milestones and continue to evolve the reason why you're running this race in the first place, even when you hit certain metrics or certain goals or a certain check mark that you always once dreamed or imagined. So for me, right now, solar is really all I care about. My three pillars in terms of my business life is I have solar. That's my business. That's my primary business. Um, I have my podcast, which is media, building the personal brand, which I don't put that much energy into, if I'm being honest. It's more of a documentation and just making content pretty pretty consistently. And then I have my investing pillar, which is you know real estate, which you know a lot more than me, um, and, and certain investments that I'm a part of. Now, whenever solar is done, I'll have to fill that void of one, um, my primary focus, and two, really generating money because this is my only income right now. Other than some of my passive income I make for my investments, it's not enough money to support my lifestyle. So whenever solar is over, whenever that is, I don't know what the answer is right now, but I do trust that whatever vertical I go to, Mm -hmm. it won't be a step back. It won't even be a step forward. It'll be a step up because of who I've become in this process, the relationships that I've made, and just, I believe the standard that I have for my life and the next evolution of my business career. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, it, maybe solar's here forever. Who knows? Like, you are you, and and you'll just figure it out. Like, just keep doing the same thing, just in a, maybe in a different vehicle, maybe not. Uh, but but I think a better question than what you do after solar, because like, who knows? No one knows the answer to that. The the thing that I want to know is how do you avoid that burnout and, and keep focus on why you're doing it and why making the commission check is important to you, because that is something that can very easily happen i don't know that i've fully experienced it yet but i could see it happening like i'm like oh you know get get a little tired like whatever like or you have a big check come in you're like man i could i could not work for like two or three years i had that happen a couple months ago where like like i was looking at my bank account i was like i could take a year or two off like uh, but i didn't obviously but you know how do you how do you avoid that yeah, I think it's I think it's linking it to certain things that actually fuel you up. So Arnold Schwarzenegger, they actually just came out with a documentary with him on Netflix. It's pretty good for anyone that wants to watch it. But they did an interview with him a couple of years ago. And they're like, Arnold, you know, how have you been so successful? You know, you've been a world class bodybuilder. Uh, you became an actor in Hollywood. You then became the governor of California. Like you have an incredible career of so many different things. Like how have you been so consistent? Didn't you get burned out? Didn't you lose focus? Why do you continue to do what you did? And Arnold responds. He's like, of course, you know, of course I got burnt out. Of course I got tired. Of course, when I was weightlifting seven days a week 
you know, hurting my muscles and having to stuff all these protein in my mouth and eat consistently. Of course, I got tired and I got discouraged. But the difference between most, me and most people is every single bite of food that I ate when I didn't want to, every single weight that I lifted, every single time that I showed up to the gym and I didn't want to, I envisioned myself that much closer to my ideal body. And the concept there is it's vision building versus random building. Random building is, hey, I'm knocking a door just to knock a door. I'm doing a podcast just to do a podcast. I'm closing this real estate deal just to close a real estate deal and make a commission. There's no end game. You're not linking it to anything that actually fuels you and that fires you up. Where vision-oriented building is every single thing I do, every door I knock, every recruiting meeting I take, every podcast uh, that I do, I'm getting that myself that much closer to my ideal life, my ideal goals, and my ideal vision. So I think it's linking the daily disciplines, linking the monotonous daily actions to something that is bigger. In my personal life, investing has been something that has really fueled me up because like I mentioned, financial freedom has always been the goal for me. It's making enough money where passively, where I never have to work again unless I want to. Right now, to your point, if solar went bye-bye, I have to go find a different industry or different business to go make earned income if I want to support my current lifestyle, where my goal is to have 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, $70,000 a month completely passively, whether that's from dividends, from stocks, real estate, passive income, um, whatever, that I could literally take a year off and go to Fiji and go do some ayahuasca in the jungle and go find myself, right? I can't Mm -hmm. do that right now. So because that's my goal and that's what fires me up, that's my chief aim, that's the thing that really fires me up and turns me on. I need to link my daily actions to getting me a little bit closer to that goal. So for me, every commission check I make, every meeting that I take, every sale call that I make of an angry customer or angry sales rep because something happened with their deal, I think that is getting me that much closer to that ideal financial freedom. Because I know that every single, the more money I make from solar, the more money I can invest. The more money I invest, the more passive income I make. The more passive income I make, I'm getting myself that much closer to that ideal. So short answer, it's linking it to things that actually fuel you up. Like if real estate went bye-bye, if solar went bye-bye, like what is the thing that really fires you up that you want to do? For me, speaking is another one. I actually really enjoy public speaking. That's why I created my whole podcast. It's really just to create my personal brand. So in a not long enough time, I can leverage that and get speaking engagements and stuff like that. So every podcast I do, every call I take, every time I have to write down questions if I prepare for a podcast of someone that I don't want to, I envision myself getting me that much closer to speaking on stage. So short answer, Hmm. link your daily activities of whatever you're doing to something that is bigger and realize that every single little thing you do, you're getting that much closer to your vision and understanding um, that the only way you get there is by doing the the daily disciplines short term um, because it's creating something bigger. This is really helping me actually. Just, uh, and, and and I've I've put a lot more intentionality into all of it. And I used to like do these podcasts and I understood why I did the podcasts. Like it's a good way to build a network, provide value to my audience, provide value to your audience, all this stuff. But it was like, why? Well, what what am I getting out of it? So I actually had a, a coach who was helping me with it. And he's like, what do you want to learn? It, and I want to learn how to make a million dollars in a year. So now that I'm asking these questions, because I'm genuinely curious, I want to know, I want to learn, it's going to be better content. It's going to, you know, people are going to get more out of it as they're listening because I'm getting more out of it. So, so really all these things are like doing real estate deals, doing phone calls, making money. Like, uh, 
I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you why I'm doing it, but it makes me money. Like it supports a good lifestyle and I have things I need to pay for, but like, why, you know, or, or like I worked out this morning, I've, I tracked the stuff I'm eating. I've tracked everything I've eaten today so far. I don't do it every day, but like, why am I doing that? Uh, cause I want to get shredded. Okay. Why? Like it's cool. But, um, just attaching a deeper meaning to everything. I, I think that helps me. Like what, what, why am I doing it is going to keep me doing it, doing the things I know I need to do. I, I just do them cause I know I need to do them. Everybody says like, you should be fit. You should have your finances in order. Like all these different things. Like I agree with that. Okay. But yeah, why? You have to peel back the onion, right? Like when yeah. you keep asking yourself why, you'll finally get to that core. And once that core is there, once that 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 hot button is there, that's the thing you need to focus on. That's the mm-hmm. thing you have on the forefront of your mind. That's the thing when challenges come, obstacles come. That's the thing that if you focus on, it'll make it easier to get past it. You know, last last thing um, for me. So you asked me that question in terms of like leading and recruiting, like that's a big thing that we do in order to keep people here and, and hopefully get the best out of them. You know, when we originally bring them on, we try and figure out what that why is for them. First, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, why do you want to do solar? Oh, I want to make six figures. You know, why? Oh, because I want, you know, BMW or a nice car, whatever. Why? Uh, because, you know, my family never had anything. Why? Oh, because growing up, I never thought I could be anything. And now I really want to prove to myself that I'm something I'm, I can prove my parents wrong or I could prove my community wrong, whatever. Whatever that thing is, that's the thing that you hold on to. Because when mm-hmm. he starts to drift or challenges happen, that's the hot button that you can click, you know, prove your parents wrong or prove, prove yourself right. That'll get him back into state and get him back into flow. Not the BMW, not having enough money to go to sushi. And I think when you can really dig into people's reasons for what they do, those are the hot buttons and even yourself, right? That's how you hack your own motivation and inspiration. Mm-hmm. It's doing your best to keep that on the forefront of your mind and to peel back all the shallowness of the things that we say we want and really find out what we really do want. Yeah. It's funny because that's also a thing that I've heard in sales trainings is like, why do you, why do you, why are we talking right now? Why do you want this? Uh, because you know, I want to save money. Why do you want to save money? Uh, because we had to say no to going to Disney this year. Why do you have to say no? Because we're not making enough money. Bills are too high. All this like that, that's going to help you get to a reason why someone's going to make a commitment. So then you are also having to sell your team on making a commitment. Like it's, 95% 95% of like everything is psychology. I've, I feel like I, I've been learning and, and that goes with any industry, any product you'd be selling solar, pest control, insurance, real estate. Uh, it's just, why would you do this? And then like finding the real answer. And then does it make sense to do it based on what you said, what you told me you want? Like you, you told me you want this. I'm telling you, this will get you it. Like, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that, that's that's the root of just making things happen and making commitments happen. So, uh, touching a little bit on just the building wealth and investing piece, what what do you typically do with your money once you're making it? Yeah, so I'm Jewish, so saving money is very easy for me to do. Um, okay, like in, yeah, natural. In, yeah, it's in my blood, um, but it wasn't for a really long time. So. I like teaching people about this because it's something that actually fires me up as well. Because again, chief aim is wealth. It's freedom, not lifestyle, not flex culture. So a lot of times I'm able to kind of go right through this. So some things that I do, um, 
I'm big on just dollar cost averaging and having different accounts set up. So uh, for me, whenever a check comes in, you know, richest man in Babylon, you've probably heard of it. You probably read it, mm -hmm. right? Key principle, pay yourself first. Most people, especially in America, that's why 95% of people aren't financially independent. They're dependent on someone else to take care of them is because they never pay themselves first. They pay their bills first. They pay their uncle who asked them for money first. They pay their... Uh, their wants first, they pay the IRS first, but they're not paying themselves first. Most people, they spend first and invest what's left over. You need to invest first and then spend what's left over. So okay. for me- Do you have separate bank accounts for that? I like do. All, you do? Okay, because I recently started doing that. Anytime money comes in, there's money going to an investment account. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, two key principles that I use are dollar cost averaging and then compound interest, right? Dollar cost averaging, it's super simple. I remember when I first got into entrepreneurship, first got into uh, making decent money, I was so overwhelmed. I'm like, I don't know how to trade stocks. I don't know what stocks to pick. I don't know how any of this stuff works. And then I realized that it's actually really simple. In order to create wealth, and at least the stock market, and we'll talk about real estate and other things as well, is all you have to focus on are those two key principles, dollar cost averaging and compound interest. Um, I think Albert Einstein says that compound interest is the eighth world wonder um, of the world because it's magic. They're literally, the compound effect is crazy. It's either hurting you or it's helping you. So dollar cost averaging is essentially investing just consistently no matter what. You know, most people try to time the market. As you know, in real estate, it's not about timing the market. It's about time in, in the, the market. market. Yes. And then dollar cost averaging is like, I'm gonna buy fifty dollars of this stock every day. If it if it if the price goes down, it just means I'm getting more shares. The price goes up, it just means I'm getting less, but I'm not buying as much of it at the high price. Correct. Yep. So it's just investing consistently, no matter what's going up and down. A lot of people, the reason they don't get into investing is because it's confusing. And when people are confused, complexity is the enemy of execution. When things are complex, uh, people don't execute. Yeah. The confused so, mind says no. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So just... What I do is I have it, it automatically comes out of my account every single month. I put a lump sum into my mutual funds and into my brokerage account, spread over S&P 500, a bunch of individual stocks that my uh, my financial advisor does. But every single month, I just put it in, set it and forget it. I don't care if it's going up. I don't care if it's going down because I know over a long enough time horizon, you're going to end up making wealth and create money because of that compound interesting uh, factor. What a lot of people do, or at least in my industry, they don't invest because they say, hey, I'll start investing when I make this. I'll start investing when I make more money. The challenge is the habit is more important than the quantity. If you can't invest every $100 from every $1,000 you make, you definitely can't invest every $1,000 from every $10,000 you make or every $10,000 from every $100,000 you make. So it's more important to start even when you're not making that much money because you're gathering, you're developing the habit. So as your income increases, the quantity of your investment increases as well. So for all your listeners out there, go open a Betterman account, go open a Robinhood account, go put a put it into a mutual fund and just start with 50 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, 1000 bucks a month, whatever you can afford. And as your income goes up, consistently that number will increase and you'll look up in 20, 30, 40, 50 years and you'll be wealthy. That's number one. Second thing I do, I do the same thing. So I have a high yielding savings account, which is essentially my real estate slash investment account. So for anyone listening, your normal bank account right now gets 0.0.01%, something like that. It would take you 140 years to double your money if you kept it in there. It's virtually nothing. Mm -hmm. And then the bank is taking that money, your Swagro or Chase is taking that money, getting 9, 10, 12, whatever percentage on it. So you can open up a high yielding savings account, Capital One Wealthfront, where you can get 5%, same thing as a savings account, by just keeping your money in there. 
and having your money grow without you doing anything, you still get the same liquidity and all that. So I dollar cost average into that real estate account every single month. So when there's enough money in that real estate account, then I take it and I go deploy it into an investment property, into a business, into a watch, whatever I Mm. feel like my reward is or whatever my investment is for that given period of my time, I do that. The reason I have it in a separate account, one, because it's a 5% versus a 000.1%, but more importantly, it's out of sight and out of mind. I'm automating the process of investing. So when I look at my checking in my savings account, I keep very little money in there and it keeps me in a hunger mindset. It keeps me in that stay broke mentality that Grant Cardone talks about. Because if you're chilling and you have 30, 40, 50 grand in your savings account, man, it's hot today. I don't need to go knock doors. I have you know six months of rent. Where if you have that money elsewhere, out of sight, out of mind, the psychology says, I need to go hunt today. I need to go work. So I automate my, my stocks. I automate and dollar cost average into my real estate. And then, you know, I'm buying things like watches, cryptocurrency back in the day, not so much anymore. Um, yeah. And, you know, certain things. But those are my, my main principles of investing. Yeah. Nice. I'm out of crypto right now, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm getting into watches. I got uh, this uh, day the just right here. Yeah. Oh, they just- yeah. Um, and I, what, what do you have on right now? I noticed you had a watch. Sub, nice. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm, uh, I'm on the list with an AD for the Starbucks sub. So, Dick, bro. yeah, getting getting into the watches. It's it's interesting and it's funny. Like you, it looks like just like an expense, like whatever luxury. But most people make money off of them if you do it right. Yeah. No, I I, I got into watches a couple of years ago, kind of like you in high school, college. I was never really a watch guy. I'm like, I don't want this on my wrist. And then I was like, you know, I should probably buy a watch. You know, I'm in the business of sales. Recruiting, it probably helps as well. And I got my first sub. This was my first watch. And then I got hooked. I got hooked on it. I'm on watch mm-hmm. forums. I'm seeing what things go for. And it's so interesting because it is it is an investment if you know what you're looking for and know what to buy. And it's cool because you can wear it. And it's cool, <laughs> right? Would you rather have, you know, 30K in your bank that is depreciating because of inflation? Or do you have rather have 30K in your wrist, which may appreciate? Or at the very least, if you take care of it, you could sell it in a year or two for 30K and you right. have value out of Because they really don't go down. Yeah, they don't. As long as you don't, like, beat yeah. them up. Mess bet. them up. Yeah. And you can get them insured, too. All that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, yeah, my entire Explore page on Instagram is just watches right now. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It. And then once you realize like how cool they are and that they're a beautiful piece of work and you're probably going to make money. Like it's a good investment. Yeah. That's, that's how you get hooked on them. <laughs> Networking too. You know, you walk into a room full of watch guys, you can instantly identify, you know, like yeah. this dude's pretty, pretty successful or it's, at least it's a conversation piece as well. You know, I feel like for, for dudes, we don't have much things to buy, right? Yeah, maybe you buy a car, you buy a house, but girls, you got bags, you got jewelry, right? I don't wear rings or earrings or anything like that. So watches are like the only thing that I can, you know, enjoy and, and buy. Um, but it's an expensive yeah. hobby for sure if you if you get into it. It is, yeah, but it, it, it's fun. <laughs> just don't just don't spend money on a watch that you can't afford yeah. to lose. Yeah, or on anything, it. on anything. Don't put money in any investment you can't afford to lose, but also <clears throat> make a decision that's, most likely not going to lose you money. <laughs> Good advice. Million dollar advice right there. Well, Steven, I, I appreciate this conversation. I really did learn a lot like this. This helped me. So I hope it, it helps um, the listener. But is, is there anything that you want to leave that we didn't cover that you think is important? Um, and then, And then, of course, where can people 
find out more about you, listen to your podcast, connect with you, all that stuff. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, last thoughts. I would just say to your viewers, you know, there's a quote on my Instagram. It's probably my favorite quote. It says that the opposite of courage in society is not cowardice, but it is conformity. The opposite, the opposite of courage is, is conforming. It's very easy to go with the flow. Dead fish, right, can, can go down, down flow. I think the goal in life is to create a life that's worth living. And as cliche as it is, YOLO, Drake coined it, you only live once. It's true. Like, especially for young listeners out there, make sure you're spending the time and energy now when maybe some of you don't have kids, maybe some of you don't have, you know, wives, because the issue is when you get to a certain age or you get to a certain level of responsibility, you get stuck. You get stuck with the job you don't like. You get stuck in the house you're not super stoked with. You get stuck in the situation that you didn't choose. And it's very, very hard once you get stuck and you have a mortgage and you have kids and you have bills to make a big pivot to something that you're actually passionate about. So for you guys out there that is fluid and nimble right now, make sure you are creating life by design, not by default, by doing the things now. If you do in life what other people aren't willing to do, you'll be able to live life like other people aren't willing to have. So make sure you're committing. You're either paying the price of discipline now or you're paying the price of regret later and create a life that you actually enjoy and that you want. Because long term, 5, 10, 15 years, uh, you're going to be thanking yourself and you're going to be in a much better position. So appreciate you having me on, um, Tim. But yeah, yeah. want to want to follow me. At Stephen Cohen on Instagram, uh, I post a lot of content on there. And then uh, Millennial Millionaire uh, is the podcast. We're on YouTube, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Would love to connect with any of your viewers. Perfect. And if anyone is still listening to this point, I appreciate you. And we'll catch you on the next one.